Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Tonight's reading comes from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. That's Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Thank you, Crystal. Evening, everyone. My name's Ron, and uh, it's great to be here with you this evening. Well, we are moving in our culture towards a federal election, and uh, most of you probably are aware of that. Some of you might not be, but it's going to happen next month. Uh, And as we've been doing that, we've been reminded in the media about some of the clippets, or we've seen some of the snippets from the last federal election and the the, uh, speech of the victor of that election, our current Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, where he said, as part of that speech, how good is Australia? You might remember that. Whether or not you're on the same political page as Scott doesn't really matter. That sentiment resonated with a lot of Australians. Because Australians, whether we were born in this country or whether we've come from other countries to make this our home, most of us like Australia. It's a good place to live. And part of its goodness is that we live in a fairly unrestricted environment. We have health care that's freely accessible by all of us. We have entertainment that literally is too much for us to access all of it. We have education. That such that if you want to grow and learn and study, it's there for you. We have access to wealth that other parts of the world just could not even begin to imagine. And at least until about two years ago, we had pretty unrestricted travel around the world. You have an Australian passport, you can get to a lot of places. COVID changed all that. During COVID, as you remember, we're restricted to our country. 
We were restricted to our state. We were restricted to our local government areas or LGAs as we came to fondly know them. And we were restricted to our homes. So restricted were we that a few weeks ago when I was able to get on a plane, I was able to do something that I couldn't imagine even just six months ago. Not only get on a plane, but land in Queensland. (laughs) Most of these restrictions have now been lifted and we start to live in a different part of this pandemic. But as those restrictions are lifted, we're kidding ourselves if we think we live an unrestricted life. For while Australia might be good, free from a number of restrictions, two things are unavoidable. Two things will always be restrictions. Two things that we can't escape from. Now, some people have had a go at guessing these two things and they've said the two things that we can't escape are death and taxes. And they got one of them right because we know that people can escape taxes. (laughs) The other thing that's unavoidable is evil. Death and evil are restrictions on every life. While we know that the restriction of death is before us, it still catches us with untimely surprise, doesn't it? Australian culture gasped in collective shock on March the 4th at the news that Warney had died. A month later, on April 4, tourists innocently hiking in the Blue Mountains are struck and tragically killed by a landslide. Death is an unavoidable restriction on life. We don't talk much about death. Yet even today, there are people who are moving through the first Easter without a loved one who has passed away recently. And there are others who go through this Easter cognizant that as they battle terminal disease, it may well be their last. Yet the truth is that for each and every one of us, this may be our last Easter on earth. The restriction of death must be overcome if we are to have an unrestricted life. We also know the restriction of evil and we've seen the restriction of evil in our world all too often recently. Evil has restricted creation such that fires, floods and all sorts of other disasters impact creation in a way that it wasn't designed to be. Evil restricts humanity and we see this in wars, in hatred and in oppression that constantly denigrates human value. Evil is impacting our world. And if we're honest, evil impacts our hearts because we know that even our attitudes, our thoughts and our actions don't even measure up to what we would like 
let alone to some higher measure. The restrictions of death and evil are very much present today. And the restrictions of death and evil were very much present on Good Friday as Jesus hung on a cross. The evil cosmic and human forces that had conspired to put Jesus on the cross had a celebratory Easter Saturday. That Sabbath day, they spent savouring, so they thought, the sweet taste of victory. For they thought God had been defeated. For Jesus' friends, on the other hand, that Easter Saturday, that Sabbath, saw them experience a sombre Sabbath where they were deeply impacted, cut to the heart by the evil and death that had impacted their life, filling them with grief and despair. And so we pick up the story in Mark 16. In the cool hours of the morning after Sabbath, the first morning of the week, we're told, where three women faithfully walk to the tomb, spices in hand, ready to anoint Jesus' body. Their grief-driven thoughts aren't on the ground. They simply want a more pleasing aroma than the smell of death to fragment Jesus' decaying body. Their minds are on the mundane. Who's going to move the stone? No wonder when they get to the tomb, they're alarmed. For they find not just the stone rolled away, but a young man dressed in white sitting inside the tomb. Imagine all the things that run through their mind at this point in time. Trying to process what it is that they see before their eyes. Have we come to the wrong tomb? Have we come at the wrong time? Has the body been moved? Has the body been stolen? Who is this strange man? And who moved the stone? Seeing their alarm, the young man says, don't be alarmed. Yeah, right. Don't be alarmed. Are you kidding me? And then the young man inside the tomb proceeds to tell them the most alarming thing that they could ever hear. Don't be alarmed, he says. You're in the right place. But Jesus isn't here. He's risen. Check it out. What? Three women doing the mundane on the third day. His three words that change everything. He has risen. Imagine the restrictions that are broken if what this young man says is true. If he is risen, God in Jesus has come into global and human struggles and he has overcome. If He is risen. Death has been defeated. 
If he is risen, hope exists beyond the grave. If he is risen, hope exists before the grave. If Jesus is risen, evil does not have the final word. If Jesus has risen, sin can be forgiven. And if Jesus has risen, good has triumphed, not evil. All this is why author and journalist Peter Hitchens, brother of the late Christopher Hitchens, has said this of the resurrection, that it is the most dangerous idea known to mankind. The most dangerous idea. He goes on to say that it alters the whole of human behaviour and all of our responsibilities. It, the resurrection, turns the universe from meaningless chaos into a designed place where there is justice and there is hope. And therefore, we all have the duty to discover the nature of that justice and work towards that hope. It alters us, he says. And even if we reject it, it still alters us. It is incredibly dangerous. Embrace it or flee from it. The resurrection alters us. Jesus' resurrection lifts the restrictions of death and evil because the problem of sin was dealt with when Jesus hung upon the cross. Jesus truly did pay it all. If Jesus' resurrection on the start of a new week, on the first day as we're told, sets in motion God's new creation. Jesus' resurrection means that God's new creation bursts onto the scene on that first Easter morning. A new creation where death and evil no longer have the restrictive power that they once had. Jesus' resurrection points us forward to another day, a new day, where Jesus will return and finally make all things new and right and where death and evil will be finally and fully done away with. Where we and all of creation can live together with him unrestricted for all time. Jesus' resurrection is the only hope for a truly unrestricted life. The young man in the tomb was super confident. There were no ifs or buts for that young man. He tells the women to go. Go, he says, go and get the disciples and meet up with Jesus in Galilee. He's going there just like he told you. What a confronting thing to say. No time for them to process what's going on. No explanation given by this young man. He just says, go. Forget your spices. Forget your fears. Forget your plans. Go. Go and join the risen Jesus. Go and be part of God's new creation. Go and bring hope to the world 
because the forgiveness of sins is on offer. The women do respond. They don't go. They flee. Trembling and bewildered, we're told that they're too afraid to say anything to anyone. What were they afraid of? What were they afraid of? Why were they trembling and bewildered? Were they freaked out by the young man? I mean, that's fair enough. I reckon I'd be freaked out if I came across that scene. Were they in shock? Was it disbelief that left them trembling and bewildered? Or had they in some way sniffed the apparent, the real and present danger at hand for them if what this young man said is true? Is that why they were afraid? We don't know. Mark chooses to end his story right here. It's an interesting place to end a story. But for those of us who have been travelling through the book of Mark uh, over the last term, we find Mark constantly drawing us into the story, wanting us to empathise with the characters and find ourselves in it. And here, on the greatest day in history, Mark does the same thing. He says, come inside the tomb. Have a look and find yourself in this story. He invites us to consider a life and a world that's no longer restricted by death and by evil. He invites us into the tomb that we might also be challenged about how we respond. Will we go? Or will we flee? To go means to follow Jesus in the defeat of death. It means knowing that you too will be raised to eternal life. To go is to have hope beyond the grave. But to go is also to have hope before the grave. To go is to immerse yourself in history's most dangerous idea and bring resurrection hope to a hurting, broken world. To go is to participate in the triumph of good over evil. To go is to participate in the kingdom of God rather than the kingdoms of humanity. To go is to bring Jesus' resurrection goodness into your homes, into your schools, into your families, into your networks, into your neighbourhoods, bit by bit, that they might too be transformed by this incredible story, by this incredible resurrection. To go means that we too will see evil be overcome by good, by God, by Jesus. It means to serve in justice and mercy. It means to uphold the value of all people regardless of their opinions or behaviour. To go 
is to live in such a manner that we point forward to the day when Jesus will return and invite people to go and follow Jesus with the hope that he will make all things new and right and finally do away with evil and death. If you're going, don't stop going. And if you're going, when it's hard to go and follow Jesus, this is the day that makes it all possible. This is the day, the resurrection of Jesus is the day that empowers all our following of Jesus. This is the day that we cling to when all else seems lost. But if you're not going, then you've come into the tomb and you've chosen to flee. You may not feel like you're fleeing, but Mark, having invited us into the tomb, only gives us two ways out. You can go or you can flee. And if you're fleeing, what are you fleeing from? Why are you fleeing? Are you fleeing because having looked in the tomb, you've decided that there's some other answer, an answer other than the one that the young man gives to the scene that you have witnessed? Are you fleeing, retreating back into your own world, trying to put up your own barriers again, trying to limit the impact of evil and death on you, even though you know that they knock on your door? Or are you fleeing? Because perhaps the reality that the young man's words that Jesus has risen, scare you. You wonder about the impact of that idea on your life. You wonder about the cost of following Jesus. You fear the unknown. Be clear about this. If you flee, you are fleeing to a world that is full of chaos and confusion. A world that is controlled by evil and death. You might flee Jesus, but you're not fleeing to an unrestricted life. Going is to trust in the resurrection power of Jesus. Going is to join in proclaiming, as we said at the start of the service, he is risen. To go is to live in that story. I resonate with the words that Scott Morrison used on that night. How good is Australia? I love Australia. There's so many things I love about it. but I love Jesus more. How good is Australia? How good is Jesus? How good is the resurrection of Jesus? How good is it 
that he came into the world to suffer and die for our forgiveness, to rise to new life, defeating death and overcoming evil. How good is Jesus? Those three words, he has risen, they changed everything on that day. They've changed my life and I know many of you have been changed by those words as well. And they change everything today. He is risen. Don't flee. Go. He is risen. Go. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatts.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.